0: i can record on my computer now i deleted storage
1: good job good job hey kendra
2: hey tracy how you doing fine are you i am here it's a sunday and i'm two hours from my church after church nap so you doing good
0: Oh, so you hadn't had your church nap?
2: Uh, oh no, 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 not oh, really? today. I especially you, you for you. Up for me? Yeah,
0: stay I up. I let me up. so you can get to
2: <laughs> Wait, I don't get up till four. It would been a minute. You'd be like, "What happened?" Hey man,
0: go. Let me hear him, get you out here so you can get to your nap because I feel it. I need one. And you know what? I did go over these questions for you right before we got on, but. I thought about something else I might ask, but I might oh, forget go it. go ahead. So if I ask it, you know, good. I guess I should tell people who you are and how I know you. Today on the show, I have Candra Stewart. You know I have categories of friends. Candra is one of my church friends.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to have the categories.
0: <laughs> She's still a friend. And I brought you on the show because you and I laugh. Whenever we get a chance to talk, we may not talk all the time. But when we talk, it's funny, and we talk about anything. And we have served in ministry together off and on for over, what, 10, 15 years now. Oh, gosh, you dating
1: us.
0: (laughs) I think I was in your Sunday school class at one point, the single Sunday school. Then it kind of fell off, and it switched off. And then somehow I ended up teaching singles ministry with Brother Griggs, and you came to our class, and we've done women's ministry together. So, you know, Kendra's going to keep it Christian, but y'all know me. Y'all know how I like.
2: uh, Okay, today. She, today. she don't have today. to. She,
0: she keeps real. That's we why we get today. along. But she will be the good girl today. <laughs> I
2: am gonna be good, I promise. Yes.
0: Oh, that, that was what, one of the questions I was going to ask you. But I guess I should let you tell people, give a, a little background. Like who you are, where you from, what do you do, college, anything you want to share.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, of course, I'm Kendra Stewart. Um, background, I, I consider myself to be a Fort Worth native because I've lived here long enough to claim it. I was actually born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of Prince. Go, yay. But um, <laughs> I've spent since, what, I was 10 up until today's date here in the Fort Worth area. So I consider myself a Fort Worth native. Um, I went to Keller High School, graduated from there and went to college at Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee and got back here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then ended up in law school at Southern University Law Center in Baton Rouge. And I love it. Um, I am just an attorney here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I my main practice is employment and labor law law. but I've been blessed to have opportunities to train and do arbitration. Um, so, not only am I an arbitrator for the Better Business Bureau, their consumer um, reports line, and we can talk about that if you have lemon law issues with your car, one of the best ways to go about really doing complaints with new cars. Um, is going through the Better Business Bureau. They actually have a process where they get you and the manufacturer together and have an arbitrator to arbitrate your case. And a lot of times it works out for a lot of the clients. Um, Some, not all the time. Um, And I also do arbitration for FINRA. A lot of people don't know that. I I didn't post that on my LinkedIn, (laughs) um, which is the financial institution. So basically if you have complaints um, about your investment firms, I'm one of the people that do arbitration and I like to tell people there's a difference between arbitration and mediation. Mediation is just a a third party person who's trying to get you guys to compromise in the middle ground. An arbitrator is actually listening to make the decision. So it's almost like a judge. You're you're listening to both parties and you're making the decision based on the law and you're issuing a, a decision or a judgment. So I've I've had opportunities to do that as well, but I love what I do, and Thank I'm you. I'm glad I'm here.
0: Listen, you done answered most of the questions I had for
1: you. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. You got. I'm sure you got plenty more. I promise.
0: So I guess that's where I will start. I wanted to know because. I'm just a curious person. I don't know. You know, we people become friends, you know what they do, but then you don't know what they do. And I'm out. And that's kind of why I started this show. It's just because I'm nosy (laughs) because I'm curious about what we are curious. Yeah. And I want to know what got you interested in being an attorney?
2: Um, I think it was in high school. I started with a group called youth in government. A lot of people, they do mock trial stuff for young kids in high school. And I had the opportunity to actually do mock trials and to do legislation. The other part of youth in government is you're pretending to be senators and legislators. And it really got me interested in politics and in law and making decisions and helping defend people. Um, And so that kind of put me on my path of what I was interested in. I know when I was a small kid, I wanted to be a poet. My favorite person was Gwendolyn Brooks. I always wanted to be a poet. And then I had a high school teacher to tell me poets don't make any money and there's no way you could be a poet. And it got really discouraging. Next thing I ended up (laughs) wanting to be a lawyer, which was a good thing for me because I I like helping people. And I think um, a lot of people come into this, if you're a good arguer, if you're a person who likes to argue, (laughs) Nine times out of 10, you're not arguing in law. I hate to tell you that. You're making a point. You're a person who's trying to see if you can get the other person to see your side based on the law. And 80% of lawyers are reading and writing. So if that's not your focus, you don't like to read, you don't like to write, you're gonna have some difficulty um, working in the profession. That's just reality.
0: It's about persuasion.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it really evidence. is about persuasion. You got to have the evidence. People are like, I love to argue. Okay, you can argue all day. That don't mean anybody going to agree with you. Right,
0: because some folks just argue, just like, you're not making no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, so you uh, you know I had to do a little research, went on your LinkedIn page. It's oh, yeah. like You have varied <laughs> experience within the law. And so I'm going to kind of touch base a little bit on everything. So I wanted to go back to the better Business Bureau. You said you were an arbitrator. So I want to know, because you kind of answered one question, which is the difference between arbitration and mediation. So um, I guess start there. Tell me like kind of what your role was, what it involved, or do you still do it? And does filing a complaint with the Better Business Bureau really work? Sometimes it really, I said, I'm like, I'm mad at a company. I'm like, this is bull. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau. And it's almost like the companies are like, okay, call them," And it just no, feels like it doesn't matter.
2: Some companies, they don't see it as it, Um, I started with the Better Business Bureau in 2015. I still do cases. Mm-hmm. They assign cases. They look for volunteer attorneys who are willing to do the arbitration of cases. Um, mine um, specifically with the cases that I were doing were lemon law cases. Like if you purchased a car Mm. um, at a dealership and you started having difficulties and problems with the new cars, um, filing a complaint with the Better Business Bill is the best way to go about it um, because there are actually remedies in the law to either have the company repurchase the vehicle, meaning you take this car back, I don't want it anymore, or um, do the necessary repairs and then pay you for your losses, you know, non-use of the vehicle. Um, And it's an opportunity for you to confront, actually have a representative from the manufacturer on the arbitration and the arbitration meeting with you and have the discussion about the problems that you're having with the car. Um, To me, it's a good remedy. Um, Oftentimes people will go out and get attorneys to help kind of represent their Um, cases which is always good too um, because there are some there's limits to the lemon law right Mm -hmm. so maybe manufacturer defects that you can actually pursue through civil litigation and so sometimes it's just good to have attorneys on at the first step Um, that's not always the case um, with a lot of the cases that I've had with the Better Business Bureau a lot of those people are people who are on their own just like I had to make six repairs to this car. I just bought this car a year ago. Mm -hmm. What do I do? So, and I sit, listen, hear both sides, ask the necessary questions that I need to make and use the law in making decisions um, that's fair and equitable. And so
0: then the company has to honor your decision?
2: Um, they, most of the time they do, sometimes they don't, sometimes they feel like, um, we're not going to honor a decision that's made through the better business arbitration, but it still gives you an opportunity to take that case further by hiring yourself an attorney and filing a lawsuit. Um, it just, it's hit or miss. Sometimes there are things that you do do the car yourself, or you complain about stuff that's actually not significant, like I got in this car, the air don't work all the time. Mm, is that significant according to lemon law to the point where the manufacturer feels like, yeah, we need to give you a new car for this one. Um, so it's it's a hit or miss. I've had some good cases. I'm sure they had some um, people that came before me was like, she was very strict. She stuck to the law. She didn't give us anything. Um, but, you know, if if you've done the necessary steps, you've gone, you know, seen your dealer, you've talked to the dealership about it, you've made the proper complaints and both written in a world form, went to try and get the car repaired. That's the biggest problem. A lot of people don't get the car repaired. They've had all these issues with it for six months and then finally they want to be compensated. Well, there's no evidence that you were having problems with the car except for your word. Mm-hmm. Why should I take it? Just because you said this was going on. I mean, you have to have some documented proof that, hey, I've done what's necessary to try to fix my car.
0: And go to the dealer. Don't can't go yeah, to your, go
2: to the dealership. Sure. Don't be going <laughs> to your cousin. <laughs> that'll be one of the arguments the manufacturer will make, the reason why your car is messed up. You went to Ray Ray, the mechanic, and, and he's the one that messed it up. <laughs> Not us. <laughs> uh,
0: you also time working at a place called citizens disability what is that and what did you do
2: and they're a national social security disability representative firm a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize um they assume that when people apply for social security disability insurance that they get it automatic you got medical records mm-hmm. you look like you're sick bam you got it the reality is um the first application process Nationally, 13% of people actually get approved for their benefits. Wait a, um, minute, wait
0: a minute. Can I push pause? How yes. can people get disability for being obese? I've seen that. And I'm like, I, I want my check. <laughs> it,
2: it actually used to be a part of social Security disability law. They have to take obesity into account. And once you really? get over a certain your BMI level, the laws have changed since then. Oh. I'm talking about there you was a point... Like- really big and you have to have a lot going on a lot of other things going on um but at this point it's like 13 they get uh 1.5 million applications a year for social Mm -hmm. security disability only about 13 percent get approved on first application Mm -hmm. process they have what they call a reconsideration process meaning they'll look at your application again they have doctors to evaluate your medical records. Well, supposed to have doctors, some of these doctors I worry about. Um, and they actually have a vocational person, a person that looks at what you described your job to be, how it fits into um, the data that they have from the Department of Transportation's occupational guideline book, and whether or not you can go back to work. By the time the reconsideration applications come in, it drops down to 8% get approved. So most people have to go to what they call an administrative law judge to have a hearing. Mm-hmm. And if you do not know the rules and the law about how they're looking at your case, what things they need to see, you will lose. So out here is a lot of attorneys, um, such as myself, that go out and actually go to administrative law judge, before administrative law judge, and argue a case based on Social Security's disability laws. There's, You can win by what they call a listing, meaning your impairment is listed, your medical condition is a listed condition that meets several factors. A lot of people are like, well, it says that I mm-hmm. have schizophrenia. Okay, that's not going to get you listed. It's uh, schizophrenia. You have to show 12 months of this, 16 months of that. Your medical records have to be clearly documented in a lot of things. A lot of people lose even at the hearing level. Um, then there's the appeals level, and then there's the federal court level. So I, um, with citizens, basically people had social Security disability hearings. I went before administrative law judge and argued their case. Um, that to me was very rewarding and it helped a lot of people because there are a lot of people out here hurting with circumstances and situations. And then they got these people who have gotten disability through their work, like they've retired them and they're not eligible for social care disability because their medical impairment is not that great. Mm-hmm. And so they assume, you know, well, my work said that I'm disabled and they retired me, no, baby, you don't meet a listing and you don't meet the requisite uh, legal ramifications, social security disability, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? They go back to work. Guess what? They work in them part time jobs. Um, they work in them side hustles around under the table (laughs) to, to make ends meet. It's sad. I tell people like, if your company is telling you that they want you to take a medical retirement, you need to check and make sure you get all your medical, um, information and see if that's best for you, or if you just need to leave and go to another job in another industry.
0: Okay. So you currently you own your own firm too but you also yes. work for
2: the federal labor relations yeah. authority how so you i bound do with that? hey i get people um i get i'm selective about my cases for my firm so okay. i know my capacity of how many cases i'm willing to handle at one time mm-hmm. how long who i'm willing to take um I'm not one of these people who take anybody and everybody that comes through the door. I'd rather refer you out if I feel like my plate is full Mm -hmm. versus me keeping a case that's going to drive me bananas.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's (laughs) talk about the federal labor relations. Yes. Okay. What does that entail? What do you do with that?
2: Basically, um, labor unions. I work a lot with labor unions. I work a lot with, um, federal employees who have been dismissed, fired, um, have issues on their jobs. Um, different labor unions that have complaints like the border patrol agents have been one of my people, their union and immigration, um, employees. Did you deal with the
0: train? You know, recently
2: the no, thank goodness. Oh, okay. I, I know some people who have. I don't. I wouldn't want to been a part of that. I've known um, some other attorneys that have done the NFL type uh, arbitration dealing with. No, I don't want to do that either. Um, although, you know, it'd be interesting. I, I do want to meet the players. I'm, I'm not interested in their labor issues. <laughs> I can meet a few players. I'm good. Um, but. It's, it's a lot of work, um, but I enjoy it. I really do. Um, and balancing them both, you just have to know what you can take on and what you can't. Mm-hmm. In my own private practice, I'm usually doing a lot of wills, mm-hmm. a lot of estate um, stuff. Um, I will take on an employment case um, in regards to discrimination every once in a while. I will take on a, a workers' comp case um, that I think is significant every once in a while I will take on consumer cases um I've stopped kind of doing family law cases I try to push those off every once in a while be somebody I know and they be begging or they be asking and I'll say yeah okay (laughs) um but uh I don't like doing family law as much. There's too much drama for me. A lot of people are coming with a lot of questions about child support, divorce.
0: (laughs) We're going to talk about that later. I do want to know what made you decide because it seems like uh, being a federal attorney, like uh, working with like a federal entity, I guess is the better way to say that would be like a pretty solid opportunity, but you started your own firm. What made you want to start your own firm too?
2: Just because... um, one of the things that really uh, got me going was I was having a lot of people that I knew, family and other people, who were having a lot of property issues mm-hmm. with stuff they inherited from other family members. And I really wanted to be able to have an opportunity to help people do their wills, um, settle some of these um, property issues, um, particularly in African-American communities. Um, it's very upsetting to me. Um, that our our forefathers, our parents, our grandparents worked their lives to get property so that the family could have um, some something for the future, right? Mm-hmm. And allow it to be um, abandoned and then taken by um, other people who could care less that it was family land. And oftentimes the land gets misused or taken because we don't take the necessary steps. Um, I was talking to my mom about somebody that she knew, um, and I was trying to tell them, come to me, need to give you some advice. (laughs) Dad had worked all his life, bought a house, Mm -hmm. South side of Fort Worth, um, None of them, dad dies. None of them wanted to pay the property taxes. One of the family members is living in the house. Finally, the state comes around and says, uh, if you don't pay these taxes, we're going to sell it in a tax sale, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Lost it to a tax sale, um, didn't pay the taxes on it. And this person's property is probably worth at this point just the property. I'm not even talking about the house, 60, 70,000. Now the house on top of it more
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, lost it to somebody who demolished the house doing gentrification, so on and so forth. And the two, three children are now living in apartments. So you're paying rent to somebody else. Mm-hmm. When your father worked all his life for this house, this this property that you guys could have invested in, could have utilized together, could have lived in the house together, and you've lost it, and now you're paying rent to somebody else because you didn't take the necessary steps to secure stuff. So I want to be able and have an opportunity to at least help people, hey, this is what a will will do for you. Here's how you guys can preserve your family land, whether it be in East Texas, West Texas, but you don't have to allow other people to come in and take it. And then now it's a condo. They are
0: out there like vultures, like waiting. they, they wait for people to die. And yeah. they are looking for properties. To,
2: They're to, waiting to for take. people to and die. You
0: and it's like,
2: and they mm-hmm. offer you chump change for what your your land is really worth. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, we'll offer you five thousand. Five thousand. You can't buy a house in this market with five thousand yeah, dollars. <laughs> <I believe it. laughs> you wait, you can't buy a good piece of land for that amount. I'm gonna need you to come up with some things. Or um, you know, you lose um, family fighting over land and because you were fighting over you let somebody else come in and take it and now they drilling oils and <laughs> wells and building apartment complexes on it and you like your grandfather worked all his life he was a sharecropper for so long and then he did this and then you let the land go to waste our generational wealth is being eviscerated in my mind because we aren't doing the necessary steps to protect Mm-hmm. What our, our our forefathers have worked for?
0: Oh that's interesting. So you said that you um I guess I want to go here. who were your mentors?
2: Two of my biggest mentors were two of my law professors uh, my criminal law professor uh, Professor Russell Jones he's retired clap 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 and then my uh, clinic professor professor of Virginia. So we used to call her behind her back. She didn't know it. but Virginia was <laughs> um, Was a wonderful uh, woman who really um, pretty much mentored me in, in opening my eyes to not being limited to areas of law. I think a lot of people go into law school and they're like, oh, I'm going to practice criminal law. Oh, I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer. Oh, I'm going to do a personal injury. And they're stuck with that in their mind, not knowing that there's so many different avenues and areas with a law degree. I mean, I don't have to be a lawyer. I can be a vice president of a bank or I can be a CEO of a corporation with my law degree. They're looking for people with those types of backgrounds. But if I don't know that it's those opportunities are out there, I, I limit myself. Um, and she was one person who was like, Don't go out there and hang your shingle in one area. Go out there, find what you may like. And when you get in the area that you like, that's when you stick and stay and continue on. But you don't have to limit yourself in one area. So she really was my mentor. And then my criminal law professor, he was just really good about making sure that I kept my litigation skills together. So he was always, you need to go to this you need to try this. You need to hone your skills. You need to read. This is what you need to read. Your rules are your Bible. So you need to make sure that you know on the back of your hands. So we kept that on me. Those were two of my big mentors It really helps.
0: Okay. So what would you tell a young woman, is specifically a young Black woman, who might be interested in becoming an attorney one day?
2: I would say the first thing you do is is to explore. Go out, find a black female lawyer and just ask, hey, can I hang with you for a day? Can I see what you do? Um, Go sit in a courtroom, listen to uh, hearings, what's going on, what's transpiring. um, And then look at different avenues of things where you see lawyers are. Like a lot of people think that the only thing they can do is courtroom. I had a girlfriend graduated from law school She had no intentions of ever being in a courtroom. Guess what? She's writing decisions for judges. She loves it. She does the legal research. She never wants to be in front of arguing, but she had the opportunity to see what they do. I would say that's the first step. And then the second step is that you definitely need to prepare yourself. Um, Law school is not for the faint at heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is not something to be played with or joked upon. Um, and so you, you need to have a seriousness of purpose when you go in. So, um, in undergrad, do what's necessary. A lot of people go into the pre-law programs. Those are nice. Um, I would say, um, be an English major. Um, uh, explore an area where you're going to have to do some writing. Um, you're going to have to do significant reading. Um, and then take the necessary preparatory courses to do your LSATs. Your LSAT scores are very important to a lot of law schools. And then get more than just that experience. So a lot of people are like, I go from um, undergraduate school straight into law school. That's nice. That's fine. Get you some experience. Take a year off. Work somewhere. Even if it's at a law firm, work somewhere for a year before you get into it so that you can really appreciate um, law school. I think the first year, you don't have a social life. So if you're the partying type, uh, kill it. <laughs> you don't You don't have a social life. You're going to be reading and briefing cases. You're going to be trying to keep up with your assignments just so you can get through. Uh. Uh-uh.
0: Okay. I think that's good advice. I do, because you know my major in college was history pre-law.
2: Oh, that's so, and see, history majors do good. A lot of people think that they have to be stuck in one major to go into law. Like I have to be in pre-law. You, you, I had people be. with biology degrees, I had engineering, people in engineering. Mm-hmm. and those are areas of law, like medical malpractice, or you could go into medicine, work with FDA, it's engineering, you and do all those, structural law. I ended law.
0: up working a year. I was like, let me work first. But I ended up going into parole. And I'm like, maybe this isn't for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm, I did a little criminal work but back in the day. I
0: had a mentor, somebody to say, you don't have to go into the criminal, you could actually write briefs. Because I actually, in my major, I love the case briefing. I love reading them and analyzing them and figuring out where they went wrong and what the evidence actually said. You know, t- trial and we didn't have to do any of that, but that was the part of it that I liked. I liked the history behind, you know, like the precedents and the, all that went in. What yeah. the law says, this so this is what we should be doing, or this is how we should rule in this situation. But you know, mentors are key.
2: Right, they're very I key. Anybody
0: like that. So I guess now I'm getting to really why I brought you on the show, because you I did a book um, festival and we were there, and I don't know how we ended up on this. I think the character we were talking the about character in the book, yes, and his child support issues, and you got to talking to me, and I actually called you, really, when I was writing it years ago. Like it's I know it's been five, mm-hmm. ten years. It was a long time. And I was like, I have some child support questions. What would happen this way? He you was like, no, because I think I was trying to make him get a DNA with the baby in the womb. And you was like, that don't work like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That don't work
0: like that. And mm-mm. I was like, okay, so what happened? So you gave me the, how it would really go, you know, in a right. situation. What, as a man or a father, he should do. So I wanted to talk to you and then, and I'm at, at that point, I, I thought maybe your background was family law. And then I did family law about-
2: early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But when I, when I talked to you at the festival, you was like, I don't like it. <laughs> I like you. though. <laughs> like, I hate it. And then you started telling me these child support stories, <laughs>
2: the horror stories. Yeah. There's plenty out, but I my wanted parents- to mm-hmm.
0: discuss that with you. Why do you hate family law?
2: I, and hate is a strong word. I, I'll, I'll bring it down a tone. I dislike it. Um, and I dislike it because um, you pretty much act as the counselor, the lawyer, the mediator. You're the person that they cry on. I have enough drama in my life. I don't need to know about yours. Um, and it got <laughs> to the point where literally I would have clients. I would have some clients that would call, leave messages, two three in the morning because they were going through Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't he didn't pick up the child yes leave messages um i'm i'm like okay hold on i I have office hours (laughs) (laughs) I, i need you to stick within my office hours i promise i will get back to you um and it just became a drag that and um early on in my Legal career, I started with legal aid. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize when I graduated from law school, I came from a law school that was impacted by Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And so when I got here, they were looking for an attorney that knew Louisiana law, knew how to handle cases. At the Mm -hmm. time, I had just graduated from law school, just passed the bar in Louisiana, um, and was like, okay, I know all this, I know what to do, I can help you out. I know, you know, this is what we need to do to get child support, family law issues here in the state of Texas enforced. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, you would have a lot of candidates, a lot of people, I hate seeing uh, men go before judges and get wrecked over the coals.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and a lot of times that's what happened. Um, so a, a lot of men coming before the court. And part of the reason is the first thing out their mouth is, well, this is why I didn't do or she did. The judges don't care what she did. They don't care what you did. The only thing they care about is what's in the interest of the child. Mm-hmm. And if you start your conversation about you and what you can't do and what she and what she can't do, well, they will automatically... Me, they, they be ready to cut you off and be like, this, was, this is the bottom line. This is how we're going to do it. We'll move on and forget all this other stuff. I don't want to hear about how she cheated on you with three different dudes and this, that, the other. Did they actually
0: <laughs> show up and say that?
2: Is it...
1: <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. One of the biggest uh, mm-hmm. complaints is women. I hate to say it. Some women will exaggerate mm-hmm. um, something to make it seem like it's domestic violence when it wasn't. Mm-hmm in an effort to try to quote unquote, get the judge on their side. Like he tried, he tried to choke you. Okay, did he choke you or did he try to choke? Like, how did that happen? Mm. And come to find out that's not what happened. Those incidents didn't happen. Um, Or he wanted to fight or he did this or that, the other. Don't use that as an excuse. Be honest with the judge. We're here about the kids. These are the things that I need. These are things that been going on in our relationship. I've got a lot of people. He calls me out my name. Okay. He was calling you out your name before you got pregnant. Like, what made you think that was going to change? Oh, like, what's new? Please explain. Or, you know, he, he said he would kill me. Okay, but what did you say before that? You said he was going to kill him. So, you know, you expect people not to respond in a certain fashion. So people come to court, they will... They've got every excuse under the sun um, as to why he ain't right.
0: Or oh, why she ain't right. Why yeah.
2: she ain't right. I had a, a client. She was upset. Um, they had split. She wanted to get him for all she could get him for because she found out he was cheating with one of the ladies that worked at the little girl's school. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, I want to get her fired. I'm going to go up there to her job. And it's like, why are you? He knew that y'all were together. Why would you even bring her into the situation? Like, why are you going to go up to her and embarrass yourself? Because mm. that's what you're going to do. You're going to embarrass yourself, and then so
0: you had to get nothing. To talk, talk about-
2: I had to talk off the ledge. Like, why are you going? Why are you going to somebody else's place of business? Because now you're trespassing.
1: Yeah.
2: And at any point, they could ask you to leave. You're trespassing, and you want to confront them. Or, you know, you may say something or do something that now is an assault. So now you have a criminal case along with you trying to get your child support. What sense does that make? (laughs) But but people will do
1: it.
0: Talk about a little bit, because you have the, the, the picture of the woman trying to get child support. But then there's the avoidance on the male side of not wanting to pay.
2: I, it, that's not always the case I think there are, there are don't get me wrong, They brothers out there that are running from yes. I think they running from um, like, I
0: know there are men who are like okay I'm going to do what I need to do but I guess I'm talking about
2: like they got brothers who will yeah, do yeah. us I hate to say brothers, men so say men in general there are men out there that will do everything they power to try to avoid paying what is necessary for their child to sustain a lifestyle.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I remember the first case I had, uh, one of the great things about a clinic in law school, a lot of people don't know, clinic class is basically a class where you're acting out as a lawyer Mm -hmm. under the supervision of a lawyer. So you're basically a lawyer without license, but you have somebody supervising you. And the clinic that I was in when I was at Southern was the civil law um, clinic, which required us, to do child support court. So what she had did was made a deal with the judge that uh, her students would take all of the defendants in child support court. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we were at child support court with people who judge was about to hit them with something. We had to negotiate with, you know, the um, district attorney or the attorney on the other side. We had to come up with some rules that we would get the judge to go with. I had one man, he intentionally thought he could get away for the life of him by not working. Like she can't get nothing if I don't work. Um, and he missed court six or seven times, you know, and then the, by the time he showed up, he was like, Oh, I can't work. I don't feel well. I'm, I'm, I'm sickly. Try to come up with all sorts of excuses, but he intentionally was not working um, in an effort for her not to get any money off of him. And lo and behold, the judge nowadays judges are like, okay, you don't wanna work. Um, what's the minimum wage to work at McDonald's? Okay, this is your monthly child support payment. So you still owe it. You mm-hmm. can run around here unemployed all you want to, they'll come get you. Um, but there are a lot of men, or underemployment, like they worked a certain type of job, a good paying job. Um, and they don't want you to get a certain percentage. So they will intentionally go work a job at McDonald's Mm. so that you'll be limited. You're like, how much sense does that make? How Mm. much? But people will, there are men out there who will do the craziness, who will do the foolishness or thinking, okay, if I move to another state, she can't find me. Okay, there's such a thing as uniform child support enforcement rules, meaning you can get a judgment here in Texas and you know that he's in Arizona mm. and send it to the Arizona child support court state and get it enforced there. So don't assume that you can run like, unless you go to Mexico, Canada, you're <laughs> going somewhere where it's a little harder to get child support money from, you are not going to get away from it. It's it's not going to happen. Sorry.
0: I did want to ask you before we got on here, I do. I was telling you really, wow. I kind of, This keeps coming up and it's interesting to me. One of the things that I always find, because I love Tyler Perry, good and bad, like all the movies I'm watching support. And He always seems to have a child support issue in the movies and no matter what the men do, doesn't matter occupation, nothing. They always end up having to pay $5,000 a month in child support. And I'm like, that so, makes sense to me.
2: That's not even realistic. I promise <laughs> you, if they was paying five thousand, there'd be a lot of happy women out here. Yeah, Very exactly. happy.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, they're like attorneys and stuff like that. I'm like, even celebrities have a limit. So tell me about that. How do they determine how much of, there's of actually the a percentage because women pay child support today. yes
2: there's I a wonder. calculation there's mm-hmm. actually a, a calculation process that they go through mm-hmm. now i tell people baselines so they have ideal if you have one child it's 20 percent of your net income two children it's 25 percent of your net three children and mm-hmm. so on and so forth right but it caps at 30 mm-hmm. so of your monthly income that is how much you would more than likely paying child support, um, unless, and the thing that protects you is if you already have in place a parenting agreement where you guys have agreed to the amount that you're going to pay per month, you've agreed to how the child custody is supposed to be set up. And for some reason you ended up in child support court because the other party got mad. That gives you some leverage, um, with the judge, as long as the amount is reasonable, like you can't say fifty dollars a month is reasonable. You can't, you can't even get a good meal at McDonald's nowadays for fifty dollars with enough kids. So, so you know, fifty dollars a month or fifty dollars a week is not, not mm, you do have to do more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, But keeping the documentation is always important, whatever you pay. But I I tell people it's not this out, $5,000 a month. Now, this is usually what gets a lot of brothers into problems, is the baseline is 20% of your net income. You guys are also responsible for medical insurance for your child. So what usually ends up happening is the mother says, well, I have medical insurance at my job and I have to pay $100 a month a hundred dollars every two weeks in my paycheck for me to have my child on insurance. Well, the judge is going to charge the father since it's not under his insurance, that additional money because she has to pay it. Right? So now that 20% of the net income, plus that extra $200 you got to pay per month for the medical insurance. And then let's say you guys waited till the child was nine, 10 years old before you started, on this child support issue well you owe back child support Mm -hmm. so now the court is going to take a percentage of back child support that's how the child support adds up is that all these little pieces together then you may be paying five hundred dollars a month or you may be paying a little bit more um in child support so that's why i tell people you know like i said if you have a parenting agreement in place early on and you consistently paid um that's something that you can show the court, and that can be credited, to keep you from having to pay that back child support, and then offering ahead of time medical insurance. Like a lot of guys don't even think about it, like, um, and so they so get hit I with would, this medical insurance, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and that's additional additional money that you're you're shelling out, or say, you know, um, I've got him covered under my policy you have them covered under yours and whoever the child is with is responsible for those medical bills. That is an agreement that the courts may um, be willing to allow you to do so that you're not paying extra out of your quote unquote pocket to the other party um, for medical insurance. But yeah, medical insurance is always covered and that's usually a cash payment that goes along with everything else or the last thing they'll get people is um, they didn't realize the mama went to the food staff office or they went to the Medicare Medicaid office to get medical insurance. Mm-hmm. And the state has now paid. So now you owe the state. food stamps. So the state says, Hey, okay, we've been paying for this child's medical insurance through Medicaid. Yeah. They were going to be able to keep the medical insurance, but you paying us the state now. Mm-hmm. For what we paid in insurance, what we paid out for the food stamp, uh, the benefits, the extra benefits. And so that tacked on, plus however long the mom was on the Medicaid um, adds up. So that so adds the up to the father would support.
0: get punished because the mom, the, or whoever went, say it was vice versa, the non-custodial parent will get punished by the state or made responsible by the state because the other parent, said okay
2: i need right you know
0: the state looks if, at it this way
2: didn't know. had you yeah even if you didn't know the state looks at it this way had you been doing what you were supposed to be doing as a parent meaning providing the necessary support the medical support the financial support needed for the child this other parent would not have to have rely on um, these benefits from us And so, therefore, we are going to be uh, reimbursed for what we paid out for you not doing your responsibility.
0: Let me ask a question. Say you are paying and they go anyway.
2: And see, that's the important part. You need to make sure that you let the judge know. There are judges out there that will listen and will say, Mm -hmm. hey, okay, um, you had the medical insurance. She didn't know. You did this, that, or the other um, mm-hmm. we're willing to kind of waive a certain portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of it, um, but a portion of it. Um, but that's how I that's tell people, me
0: so mad. So yeah. like, hey, I, know I see why, like he turns ugly, you know, like, it, it,
2: but Hey, I, was, I tell people this all the time and I keep it 100% real, know who you are sleeping with. If you make the choice that you're going to participate in sexual activity, if you don't ever see that person as the type of person you would want to be a mother or father of the child, then you need to do what's necessary to protect yourself Mm -hmm. to make sure that those incidents don't happen. Because when they do, if you don't have the right type of communication with that person before the child is born, it's not going to get better afterwards because people are going to be in their feelings you think about it i'm upset that the relationship didn't work out i'm upset that this is not the circumstance or situation that i it to be in i'm upset that he's not doing what i expect him to do or she's not acting the way i want her to act or he's got a new woman or she's got a new man and so you all up in your feelings And now you have to raise a child, Mm -hmm. but you're still all up in your feelings. So you can't communicate effectively with the other person because you're still in your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so the person that suffers is the kid.
0: Yeah. At at the end of the day, that's really who 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 suffers in the middle of that. I did have one more question though, because I, and it seems like here lately, I think that's when I, I was like, cause I've been texting you and then i forget and christmas came but then i text you again because there were all of these like uh scenarios kept coming up on you know social media is horrible it, it is, is. <laughs> Pastor gregory today just put your phone down. i should so there was a video that came up on like uh either instagram or tiktok and there's this story about this guy he had been paying like child support paying giving extra he's giving it directly to the mother and she got mad and she went to court told him he wasn't paying at least from my recollection of the video and they came back and hit him with back child support or something
2: like that it was 18 years she waited till the child was almost 18 years old and he,
0: he got arrested and um, they put him in jail for like two weeks. They, I think they originally gave him like longer, like maybe three months or whatever, but his attorney fought, but the two weeks he was in jail, he lost his job and now he has to pay, you <laughs> know, like dollars in, in attorney fees for fighting the mother, <laughs> you know, for defending himself. Yes. So I guess I want to you to explain like some what men should know and what women should know. Like, cause I find some people, well, I've been giving her money or I've been giving him money, but if it doesn't go through the proper channels, it doesn't matter. You know, so explain that. I I do did know that, part.
2: and I I know there are a lot of people prior to them getting on child support. There are men and women who will give cash. Mm -hmm. Eh, wrong answer (laughs) you always want to keep a record of it I've told people get the duplicate checks you know where you write a -hmm. check and it has a little imprint under it where you have the little evidence that you when you pay in somebody money even if it's for diapers Mm -hmm. whatever do the check and give them the check make them go cash it they say they want cash too bad -hmm. They're going to get the check so that you at least have a copy of the or uh, write the check, make copies of it so that you have a copy of the record. Because when you go before the court, I'm going to tell you 99% of the time, they're going to say, I never got that money. Or, oh, they only gave me that money for diapers or they only gave me that money for shoes. And then you have no documentation to prove, you know, I've been consistently giving this person money on a regular basis so you want to keep a paper record that you've actually uh given this person money even if it's um you give them cash but they sign their name at a bottom of paper that they receive two hundred dollars mm-hmm. to support the child so that you have that monetary record I, I actually started telling people you can even think about it cash app Oh yeah. Cash app keeps a record but in the t- 4 and 2 there's a four section of the cash app. You know, you send somebody money, you put four shoes or whatever. Make it specific. Support payments for their child in the cash app four. And then keep a record of that. That's at least something digital that you sent money so that if you do have to go before a judge, you've got some proof. And there are judges out there that once they see some physical documentation will say, wait a minute, he's been paying you $150 every two weeks, or he's been paying you $150 a week. What about that? And if, you know, now they've caught you in a lie. Now I can't trust the other person for what they're saying is real. And now I need to make a decision based on what's fair, Um, not based on what's incorrect, but a lot of people are like, oh, I'll just put hundred dollars in a hand. Okay.
0: Does That's
2: it have to go through the child support court? No. Mm-hmm. Um, most people end up at the child support court because person ain't giving their fair share when it comes to raising another child or they're mad. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I get into his money or I want to make sure I take all the money from her. Or I want to make sure this, that, the other. And so they end up at child support court. Mm-hmm. Or there are men who already know the situation with the mom is bad. And so they'll go run to the child support court hoping that... I put myself on child support. I get this order that this is going to keep her out of my hair. Okay. You need to have calculated that money. For mm-hmm. well, you went and ran to that child support order. I tell people before the baby is born, if you can come up with a parenting agreement and they actually have forms out there online that you can do. You can ask an attorney, uh, can you draft me up a, a parenting agreement? It basically says we're agreeing to this much amount of money. We're agreeing that this person's responsible for the medical insurance. We're agreeing to visitations such as this, that, or the other. Both of you sign it, get it notarized, and both have copies of it. So if there ever is a day that you actually, a person gets mad, decides to go to the child support court to put you, quote unquote, put you on child support, you have something to show the judge. We've had a contractual agreement on how we were going to raise our children. And this person has now decided they don't like the contract uh-huh. um, and, and the judges will honor it. Like,
0: I think you're saying what I, I I believe to be true. So like, so say, say Jimmy Ray gives me child support through cash out. And I, he has a record. He can take that and go to the office and say, Hey, I might not, it might not have been taken directly out of my check." or come directly through your office, but I have been paying it. And here is my documentation that I have made the proper support payments. And so that's what I want men, men or women who pay child support to understand is like don't just give money and expect for it to you for it to count. You right. You have to have your documentation and present it to the court for it to count. Right. To make sure that you are on the you know, so that later on, you're not hit with a surprise. Like now you're getting hit with bad child support and you feel like you've been paying. You have to consistently show that you're paying and have that documentation. And
2: that's the most important thing. That word that you said, consistent. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like, okay, I gave her money one month. Mm-hmm. And then three months later, I gave her some more money. And then they go before the judge and they'll say, well, I was paying her. Yeah, but you paid a hundred dollars in July and then you paid another hundred dollars in October. That's not consistent. It's the same thing with visitation. You know, you saying, oh, I'm following the visitation order to see the child. You saw the child once that month of July. You saw once in October. You came over for a birthday party because they told you to come over to the birthday party. That's not consistency. You have to show the court that you are consistent in what you're doing as a parent. Because you can't put down parenting uh, be like, okay, I'm not a mama today. <laughs> Somehow something going to happen to the child. Oh, no, I'm not a daddy today. It's... Parenting once you have a child, that's something you gotta continue on. That's consistent. Yeah, you're not gonna true. be able to give that up. Now, when they get eighteen, there's there's some stuff you can let go of, mm-hmm. but you're still a parent.
0: Okay, what would you tell mothers with advice?
1: I if would you tell you can
0: give it. you know <laughs> this is free. We can't lose our job being on the podcast.
2: <laughs> I I will tell people mothers point blank: do not deny. Visitation to the men because they are not paying support consistently.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There are a lot of mothers. Well, this is the only way I can give him to pay is, is if I, you know, withhold the child from him. Mm-hmm. The child has a right to have a relationship with the other parent. And whether the parent is consistently financially providing or not, the child still has a right to a relationship. Don't deny visitation of the other parent um, based on your feelings or based on, this is my way of getting you to consistently pay support, or this is my way of you giving me extra money for what I feel I need um, in an effort for the child. And just like I would tell the dad to get it in writing, mama get it in writing too. You know, if he pays you money, put it down. And be Mm -hmm. honest in court. Don't don't start with the, well, he ain't never paid me. Girl, you know, you got that $150 last week. Stop lying in court because now it becomes a credibility issue. A lot of people don't realize that sometimes judges are making decisions just based on your credibility.
0: I see it on Judge Matthews.
2: Yes, the- just based on whether or not you are honest standing before that. And if you would lie once to a judge, why should they trust anything else mm-hmm. you have to say? So if you go, he ain't never gave me it. You've already put yourself in a position where now mm, she don't have to believe you. He don't have to believe you. Um, But make sure you get stuff in writing. Um, And don't use your money for stuff that's not a necessity to the child. Meaning rent is important. There's nothing wrong with using some payments The child needs somewhere to live. They got electricity, child need electricity, clothes on their back, food on their belly, gas in the car. Some of that money go to gas. Guess what? The child got to go back and forth to school, all their little uh, activities. Y'all say, so there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't use your child support payment to get your nails done because you get your nails done every week or your hair done.
0: Have you actually seen?
2: Yeah. I had. I've had a guy come before me. His biggest issue was that he was paying $500 a month in child support. And the child, when he picked up the child, the child didn't have on best clothes, was barely dressed, didn't have any really good tennis shoes, was always complaining about being hungry, mm. um, had been in the house. There was very little food to eat. But guess what? She had that Hennessy stocked up on them shelves. She was at the club. Her hair was laid every week. She had her nail. I'm talking about nails, done, 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 really nicely because she wasn't doing what was nice. And his complaint was, I need to get custody of my kid because here I am paying child support to a woman who's out here spending the money. Mm-hmm. My thing, and I've I've had women who, Are financially well off, meaning, yeah, they're getting paid the child support because they have the child, but they've actually put established a checking account for their kid. And so that child support money goes into the checking account so that when the child is of a certain age, they can begin to spend it on stuff that they want. Mm -hmm. I think that's smart. I used to give my child, be like, your allowance is coming at that money your daddy didn't gave. So, your $50 for the month, whatever for you to be able to to spend and learn how to spend it it's a great opportunity to teach tithing and all that other good stuff so was it it was a a useful thing but please don't be out here spending your child's poor money on stuff you know is not to the benefit of your child
0: (laughs) okay so what would you tell fathers
2: get it in writing get it in writing get it in writing And then number two, don't be afraid um, to actually go to the child support court for custody. A lot of dads feel like, okay, because she technically is not a bad mom, I can't get custody of the child. That's not necessarily true. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing um, for the child, making sure the child is going to school, making sure they're getting the proper education, um, consistently in their life, you could actually be the primary caregiver. And have custody of a kid I had a gentleman friend of mine long time ago I did his case it was so sad all he wanted was his daughter that's all he wanted He wanted to be able to have his daughter in her, his life um but he was paying child support and basically mom was like I need the child support money for me to survive and be able to do other things so I'm never going to give you custody of the daughter finally he asked he said if you just let her live with me, you can keep the child support payments. So for two years, he was paying her child support while the child was with him.
0: Did she? Wouldn't she have to pay that back?
2: She had to pay it back once we went to court. He <laughs> came to me and he was like, at this point, I'm at this point, I'm fed up. I'm tired of paying her child support. I've had this child for two years. I can show you, you know, that she went to school consistently. She wasn't missing any days. I paid for all this stuff. We went before a judge and the judge was like, oh no, -uh. this is not going to happen. Matter of fact, you're going to pay the back child support for all the money that he gave you. You know, he gave her a time frame in which you need to be paid off and they did what was necessary, went through the garnishment process to make sure that he got that money back and then he got custody, primary custody of the child. But it was just She wasn't interested in raising her daughter. The only thing she wanted was money so that she could maintain a certain lifestyle. And he could have it. You, You could have it at your house as long as I keep the money. And that happens a lot of times. It does. And the other thing I would tell men, do not be afraid to ask paternity issues a lot of brothers out here don't question paternity and then later find out baby ain't yours. Um, honey, after that two-year window that you've had to deny the child being yours, that child legally by law is yours. You have you have two years from, from birth to question paternity of a child. You do not do that within that two-year window. Don't come back when they're 15 talk about I've been paying money, but I don't believe Johnny, my kid, little too late.
0: So, so the state looks at that like basically, I don't know the legal way to say it, but so say little Johnny is five, and you find that find out you are Mari, you are not the father. <laughs> there but, have because been, you have been paying. And you have served as the role of the father. The state says you shall continue to be the parent.
2: They Great. call it you don't want to say the word, but I'll say it because that's the uh, term. I can't that think
1: you, of it.
2: It's bastardization. Oh. They don't want to have the child as a I it, it is the term that they use. They they don't want to have the child be considered bastard or I illegitimate. And so they'd rather a person who has known the child or father the child to continue on that support role, then unhook him from that person. And Mm -hmm. then now the child has nobody, right? There was a big court case um, 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a huge battle about um, a married man. The wife had had an affair. The baby was by the man that she had the affair with. Father didn't know it. Um, Divorces. And now with divorce issue comes the child support. And he's basically saying, I want to pay child support because I know she cheated. This child ain't mine. It belongs to Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny comes along and says, yeah, this is my child. I want to take care of it. The court says, according to the law, the husband is presumed to be the father of the child. And although there's another person over here who's biologically the child's father, we just make both of y'all pay for support. And both men ended up paying support on this one kid because they didn't, legally, there was no avenue to quote unquote, unhook the child from one father to the next. So if you have questions about paternity, you need to ask it and handle it.
0: That was so interesting.
2: I had a, I had a male friend who had a young lady who, we told him she was pregnant with his baby for a period of time. He believed her mm. until she said the baby came early. He was questioned about the dates a little bit. And we did the, what I call undercover sneak. I would never tell anybody to do this because it's improper. But um, I said, check the DNA. He went out, got a kit, swabbed the baby, took the test, come find out the baby wasn't his. Went through the child support office, which was what she was trying to do, and said, I'm questioning paternity. I want a paternity test. Took the paternity test. Come to find out child wasn't his. He went his separate ways. She went her separate ways. Um, and that was it. But he was about to be on the hook for a good little piece of change. He had a great job. He would have been paying her at least eight, $900 a month had he not.
0: That's a car note. <laughs>
2: The, question you what think about
0: need, you know i'm not going to knock that but
2: kid, kids do need but mm-hmm. some women have multiple children with multiple different men and that money can add up real quick especially if you get the right one <laughs> You know, I'll take an NFL player, NBA player any day. You know, I'm, <laughs> have, I'm have me a nice little mortgage payment. Just kidding, just kidding. I don't want. We no- are
0: joking. <laughs> I don't
2: want no brothers be thinking I'm trying to get their money. I got right. my own stuff going on.
0: Exactly. Well, thank you for coming. This has been very interesting, <laughs> and I've been over here tickle pink. <laughs> But I appreciate you for doing this for me. I want to ask a couple before we get off. I always have a couple of signature questions. Just oh, to make cool. you think. So I'm gonna start by asking you, what
2: makes you sad or angry? Sad mass murder of children. Oh. I hate um school shootings. Oh. Um people used to laugh at me because they were like, you always play like you hard, and you, this, that the I don't play hard. People don't know me very well. I'm firm when I need to be firm. I'm sensitive when I need to be sensitive. I used to cry. Like when you would get on the news and you'd hear about schools that would have mass shootings, I would would literally break down and cry. And they were like, okay, this is, I'm like, no, why we live in a country where it's okay um, for kids to be murdered going to school is beyond me. And that makes me very angry and very sad.
0: I agree. Just imagine ha- having to go into work. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> be, I, didn't
0: have to worry about that now. Like, I'm, people don't even consider us first responders, but oh, we are first responders.
2: It's And it's everywhere. I think the one of the things that shook me to the core early on is I had a um, classmate of mine got murdered in the law office. Um, somebody came in and uh, well, come to find out it was her ex-husband came in um, in a law office and stabbed her to death uh, 43 times and it was like in a law office That's like right. how does this happen yeah, but it'll is. happen even there so mm-mm.
0: I feel you on that. okay we're gonna try to cheer it up <laughs> what makes you laugh or what makes you happy I guess I really want to know what makes you laugh
2: my family is hilarious being a PK my family is I have nieces and nephews, I should say niece and nephews, because mm-hmm. I only have one niece. They are, they. I say they all have old souls. They say things, they do things. You're like, wait a minute, you five, I'm going to need you to sit down somewhere. Or they do things, they'll, they'll have me cracking up laughing all day. My dad is hilarious. People don't Absolutely. know. It. My mother is hilarious. People don't I, you know. know so quiet people think she's quiet you have to get to know her one thing about being a pk and uh, being a preacher's wife is we're reserved in certain environments get them outside of those environments and let them be themselves they have jokes a million
1: (laughs) that's
0: why i like your dad because you know he's gonna always be Rem himself, certain <laughs> people you get a glimpse, <laughs> and I'm like, he kind of cool. I like one
2: hundred percent all it's the time. Kind
0: of your mom, she's super sweet, you know. But I always thought she was reserved, so I'm gonna have to like be like. But yeah, then yeah. she hangs with my sister too, and you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that should
2: tell you should something.
1: But the yeah. they get
2: out, they be they be clowning. You like you women need to calm down. I'm gonna need that. Who driving today? Y'all y'all silly. <laughs>
0: true okay what would you tell your 15 year old self it doesn't have to be about the law or your career just advice that you wish you had known then that you know now
2: stay the course in being very diligent with your studies and what you plan to do with your life I think I took a lot of detours that I didn't need to take Um, And would be in a better place now than I was then, had I just stayed the course.
1: Yeah,
0: that's good advice. I would tell myself that too. (laughs) Don't (laughs) give up don't give I, up i did nope. want to ask you this is an additional question i thought about when you talked about arbitration and being the person who makes the decision because i know you are very uh you get excited i'm not excited but like me you're very interested in current affairs politics stuff like that would you ever consider running for office particularly maybe a judge
1: would I
2: have mm-hmm. thought about it um for the longest of time I wanted to be a federal judge. I actually mm-hmm. did um prefer federal over state because state is elected at least federal you're appointed, mm-hmm. and you're appointed for life, and I don't have to worry about nobody messing with me um but I, I i um I have that in the background. That's something that may I may consider a later date. I don't know if the political environment in our community is at the appropriate place where we're willing to really go out and fight for the things that we need mm-hmm. um, and get the right people in the right places to make good decisions.
0: Well, I hope to see you on the campaign trail. I will hey! only contribute. We need quality. Candidates here in Tarrant County. Oh, you know it like I know it. <laughs>
2: big time, big time. We had some
0: good quality. Um, you know the four women who ran for judge here in Tarrant yes. and they were really good. I was hoping they could pull it off, but they didn't. But Tarrant
2: County is, you know, that and uh, Jeremy. We, you know, uh, yeah, right. we didn't get out and vote. Yeah, we didn't get out and vote. Hey, we got out and vote. I, I tell people this. Judges. Um. The gross, a lot of people don't know this, the largest growing number uh, of people in Tarrant County are Blacks. There are the When it comes to Black folk, we are getting more Black folk in Tarrant County than there had been in the past. But we have not um, come together to utilize our power so that we have a voice of representation in our community and we need to do more more of um, getting it and together
0: what it's going to take for us to even if we can just get a fraction more to show up to vote
1: just just like a fraction, even, we don't
0: even need new voters Mm-mm. We just need the ones who are registered to actually go do it
2: <laughs> and people who are really going to make a difference not people yes. who are going to be figureheads we actually need people who are mm-hmm. going to be like i'm here at juvenile court i see young black kids come through here Here are the things that I'm willing to do to make sure that we don't continue on this path. Versus you, the parent, you, the problem. Good day. (laughs) Because that's the way it is now. Don't give me me parent, you, the problem. Good day. This is.
0: Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate you for doing this for me and just being willing to, you know. put it all on the table. If someone wanted to hire you for your services, where would you like for them to contact you?
2: I would love for them to just call me. I am open. Leave me a voice message. If you don't get me, I'll leave you my number um, so that they can contact me. It's 817-653-2697. And you can call me. I'm Worst case scenario, I will refer you out, but at least before I refer you out, I'll give you some good sound advice of what you need to get ready for what to do the next step.
0: All right. I will make sure to put that in the show notes. So thank you and have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you for having me.